We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Have you talked to anybody in the front office about your remarks you made to Evan? About the remarks I made to Evan? Yeah. I haven't talked to Evan in three years, four years. Now in the front office, you talked to him about it? I talked to them when I interviewed here um, the last time, so yeah. But going back to the subject, I haven't talked to Evan in a while. Okay. Um, Alex Cora. Today at what we used to call the picnic tables down in Fort Myers. I don't think they're I don't think they're picnic tables anymore, are they? They got like dugouts now. I yeah, think. they they make it look much more professional. It was nice when they were just sitting out in front on the picnic tables with birds chirping and you know, golf carts backing You're up. You're one of these stodgy old seam heads that just wants the game to stay the way it was. Uh, I bet you hate the band of the shift. I bet you hate the pitch clock that and is, you miss the picnic tables. That is True, that is true. I, I just want everything the way that it was uh, back when they were sitting out in front of the stadium down there with back lots in the of days background of noise. and Joe, exactly, and, and Johnny Unitas for that matter. Uh, it's hour number two. Jones and Mego with Arcan. We're here until six on a Tuesday with all your phone calls six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. We talked about Cora last week. Evan Drellick's book is out today. You said yes. This is the. Uh, mainstream debut. Winning fixes everything out today. And Cora's response when asked about it by Johnny Miller at his 52nd consecutive spring training, or at least 52nd spring training is what I read, uh, was, well, I haven't talked to Evan in three years. About when he started writing this book. Yeah, and so to me, to me, what he's doing there is trying to delegitimize the book, right? Well, I haven't talked to Evan, so whatever's in that is just garbage, and I don't know what's in that and blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's what he's attempting to do in my estimation. And I don't know why it's relevant if you talk to him or not. All these events happened longer than three years ago. All these events happened in 2017 and 2018, and they all predate that three-year window when you were talking to Evan Dr- What do I care if you talk to him? Is the stuff in the book relevant? Is the stuff in the book true? And I think that's what we want to get to. And the reason I think it's important with Alex Cora is twofold. One we talked about last week. Alex Cora was like the one guy at Winter uh, Winter Weekend who fans liked and were applauding and looked like the adult in the room and looked like he knew what he was doing and fans are confident in. He's like the one guy in the organization. At least that's not a player. Not even just Winter Weekend. Last season. Fair. He got by as, you know, a victim of circumstance. Fair. Man, look what Alex Cora is trying to do with what they gave him. So, you know, he's the one guy who fans look at and mostly, uniformly, go, that guy gets it. That guy knows what he's doing. Don't throw a tomato at him. Right. Like, high and bloom, ownership. We're going to boo them. We don't trust them. But Alex Cora, we trust. And now you read that he's running around bragging about cheating scandals and... You know, how they stole a World Series. Yeah, that's, that's a bad one, right? And on top of it, we get more specifics about, you know, the drinking on the flight and almost getting fired in Houston and everything else. The names that he's calling bench coaches and things like this. Okay, <laughs> C-bombs. So that's number one. Number two, I do wonder if all of this rolls into how hot his seat is this year and how hot his seat is going to get. If the team isn't better, 
Chaim Bloom is probably gone in August, right? They got rid of Dave Dombrowski in August. They got rid of uh, uh, Ben Sherrington, I think, in August as well. They fired them both in season. So, like, if it doesn't go well for the Red Sox, Bloom's probably out in August. Ownership isn't going to wait around. Cora might not be far behind. And I think that's what's relevant with all of this, too. Because of this book or I don't, because of just I don't the think it circumstances of the team? I'll just say I don't think right it helps. I think, the, I think the stuff with the team is more important, but I don't think any of this helps. I don't think it helps when you have your manager who was supposed to be a changed man. You find out now at one point he was bragging about how he stole a World Series. I don't know. It's back in the news and it's never good. Is but all does I would it make say. a difference to you that after that season, so when he's walking around, according to the book, especially after drinking, talking about how they stole that 27 World Series and then they win the World Series in 2018 and then he serves the suspension after 2019. So 2020 in a season that doesn't really matter because of all the pandemic stuff and Mookie out of town and everything anyways. Everybody kind of washed their hands of that season. So does it matter that it's seemingly like he kind of served his punishment and then he came back and you can look if, at that, point to that. If your ownership if you think and he, say if he If you think he served his, the proper punishment. Yeah, like he got like his, you AJ, know. AJ Hinch didn't get his job back. Carlos Beltran never got a job. So I don't really know that Alex Cora was punished commensurate to the others who were involved in this. And Alex Cora might have been the ringleader for the whole thing. So I just, I don't know that I agree with it, but I understand your point. Like if you think he's, he's served his time and he's now feels bad about it, well, then what else can he do other than apologize for what happened right. and, and he's he's handling it differently? I think Hinch got another job, too. It's not like he got yeah, blackballed. Not or, with Houston. Not with Houston, but he did get another job. But it's I not think like he had, you know, yeah, banned from it would be really different if he had just stayed here all the way through and then you, this comes out and it's like, man, he was bragging well, about cheating and, and I guess, he's still your manager. I guess Instead, it's what, like he was able to step away from the heat for a while. Here's what I don't love. He got the job here in Boston where he probably had to answer a bunch of questions about what went down in Houston, maybe with cheating, maybe about, you know, his drinking, whatever, you know, he has answered things. the questions about the drinking. Before. No, no, he has. But I'm just saying then after he gets the job, it's like, oh, yeah, and now we stole that World Series. Like he's like he said what he needed to to get hired. And then he's running around bragging about stealing a World Series. I don't love that. But anyway, there were more questions about this book coming out where Cora got pinned down a few minutes later. Let's uh, we can start some of the, uh, start and stop some of this if we need to. It's a longer chunk. But let's hear more from Alex Cora today in Fort Myers. Do you have anything you want to say just to kind of set the record straight? Do you take exception to anything that was I you know like like I said before, man. I've been talking about this book the, this whole situation for 3 years. I've been very open about it, so you know, my focus is in next year, you know. Obviously, the timing of this is kind of like awkward, right? But uh, it is what it is. I mentioned a few years ago, you know, that there's going to be books and there's going to be stories, maybe Netflix, you know, in a few years, you know, like Megan and Harry, right? But uh, as of now, you know, like, I don't want to comment, uh, you know, like, my focus is in, in the Red Sox, my family, and uh, keep moving forward. Okay, so just quickly, do we think he's talked about it a lot over the last three years? No. Nope. Nope. Me neither. I think he talked about it at one point, but to say he's constantly talked about it and, like, been answering questions on it, like, guys, enough... First of all, I would reject anyway because it's a new book with new details. Uh, but I also just disagree with the way he's characterizing it. I don't think he's been talking about this nonstop for the last three years. He poses it as, why are we even talking about right. this? Why is this even coming up? This was years ago. And it's like, well, because you're still here and it's the same organization. So this is new details coming to light. To your point, do you feel differently about having these details out here? They're a lot worse than what we've heard publicly so far. They Maybe he's talked about this behind closed doors. You know, maybe with Red Sox front office, he's had to have these conversations. So he doesn't feel like he needs to have them with the press. 
But now it's out there for everybody. I sort of feel like when he first came back, I didn't love that. I didn't love the idea of bringing Cora back in the first place after the suspension. I thought just start fresh and move on with somebody else. And then they go to the ALCS. So you know what I mean? Like there's there's definitely something there. I think it's beyond just, you know, him cheating and setting up his players that way and that's why they all like him and that's why the team does well. I do think he's a good manager. I do think he knows what he's doing. But I also think that if you come to a point with this team this year where you're not going anywhere, you're probably better off just cutting them loose, you know? Like that's sort of how I feel about what, it. What uh what do you guys think out there? Six one seven, seven seven nine, seven ninety three seven. How hot is Alex Cora's seat? Is it hot at all? Uh, does this help uh, in any way, shape, or form? Uh, or, or, I'm sorry, does this hurt his cause, I should say, in any way, shape, or form? Is it irrelevant? Water under the bridge as he tries to frame it. Again, 617-779-7937. Let's pick up there, Ryan, if we can. Is it hurtful to you personally to have that come out all this time later? We talk about it, right? You know, I think uh, it's always hurtful because I, I have to go back to the kids, back to the family, back to my daughter. You know, this is coming out. we got to talk about it. But uh, I don't want to say they're, they're used to it, you know, but I've been open with them about the whole situation, and they understand that stuff like this is going to come out, and uh, we just got to keep going forward, you know. Uh, I made a big mistake in 17. I'm paying the price. I'm still going to pay the price, but at the same time, I got to keep moving forward. I cannot live in the past. Okay, so time out. So, Megan, you looked at me weird there. You, don't, you, you disagree with how he's well, framing that? Well, he's paid that. the price. To and he's still an paying. Extent, he's still paying the still price. Still paying the price. Is that because there's going to be these books and yes. articles I think coming that's, out? And if I had to translate for him, I think that's what he's saying. Like he's yes. going to go down. It's going to be a mark against him in baseball history, which is all that people in baseball care about is the history. This will be the mark against him yep. that he cheated here. Yeah. And it deserves to follow him around. Like, I don't know what he thinks. Like, it's going to follow him around for a long time. But I think that's what he's saying. I still deal with it. I'm still paying the price. Days like today where he has to answer the questions, I, I think, is what he's saying. Do you feel any need to defend yourself? There's a lot of stuff in there. Some of it's, most of it's not named. When you see that, do you deny any of it? Or do you feel a need to defend it? Like I said, I, I don't, you know, I've been talking about it for three years. I'm being very honest about the situation. Very apologetic. And, uh, you know, that's what I can control. Um, obviously, there's stories and there's no sources and stuff like that. So it is what it is, you know. I knew it was coming. I knew that probably there's more, more books coming out. And uh, people are going to have their side of the stories. They're going to talk about it. But from my end, uh, I think I've been very open about this the last three years, you know. And uh, I feel comfortable with who I am. The things that I did, I'm not proud of it, but at the same time, we got to keep moving forward. Okay, so that's that's not a denial, by the way. There, and, and if you couldn't make out the question, he was asked, do you want to deny anything? There's a lot of unnamed sources in there which gave him an out, and he kind of sort of took it, but for the most part, I give him credit. He said, I've talked about it, and I'm not happy with how it happened or, or proud of what happened, I should say. And so for, I give him some credit for that, but that wasn't a no, that wasn't a denial. That's not saying what's in the book is rubbish and garbage and don't buy it. I mean, I think he kind of tried to do that with Evan in the first place, but short of that, he it's not a denial. That you was could, an excellent answer. You could have denied whatever I you wanted. I actually thought that was, a, that was an excellent answer. I hated the question. Yeah. What was that? I mean, I know it's hard to of, hear. I don't want to play it again because the audio is, like, really crummy because it's the Red Sox, and for whatever reason, they recorded it with oh, a, there's a reason. microphone <laughs> that was, like, on under the grass or something. Yeah. But the question... There's a lot of stuff in there and a lot of unnamed sources. Come on. Anything you want to deny? Anything? What kind of reporter asked that? I'm sorry. I'm not trying to get personal. I don't know who asked that question. There are a lot of unnamed sources in the book. Come on. 
How do you sit there and say that? Well, I ag- hate that question. And again, Cora mostly didn't engage on that to his credit. And I agree with you. He could have said, yeah, yeah, you know what? It is so a lot I'm of unnamed Cora sources. Cora the point there. Good job, Cora. Okay. For ignoring that and not saying, yeah, you know what? I don't answer about unnamed sources. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know why? Put your name You know why? Because he knows it's true. Yeah. Because it's good reporting. Exactly. He said three years to deny any of there is sitting going, well, unnamed sources there. Well, do you feel like you have to answer to these unnamed well, sources? Here's, here's, Shut where up. Give, here's where I'll give the, the reporter credit, though. We now know that anything in the book he had a chance to deny and didn't deny it. So, okay, I'm going to assume everything in the book is true. Good. Was there a little more? Obviously, I get messages. I get, you know, whatever, but I'm not, gonna, I'm not here to talk about the book, you know. That's the last thing I want to do. Is there anything in the English? It's very honest. What you've done here, like the 18 season, the 18 World Series? I don't think so. Okay. What was that question? I tried to hear that a couple of different times. Was he asked, was there anything untrue or anything? It was like something like that, right? Is there anything that is in this book that would diminish the 2018 World Series? I see. So I, I, then I misheard what the question was there. So Translation, so, you were only a mean bad guy when you were in Houston, so his, right? A, Never in Boston. His answer makes more sense. I'm not, I don't, now he says, I don't think so. I he don't think so. I Not, no. Not definitely not. I mean, come on. I wasn't doing anything. I don't think so. So, okay. A little wiggle room there. It's like Tom Brady saying, I don't think I did anything wrong when I was smashing my phone and uh, taking the air out of footballs. I, the fifth. I don't think I did anything wrong. I don't think there's anything else I should but tell I you guys about. I remember correctly. Yeah, I mean, that's that's Cora playing that game there. So, again, how hot is his seat? Is it hot at all? And this can't possibly help, right? I don't think so. 617-779-7937. We'll get to your feedback on this. Kike Hernandez had some interesting things to say about the Red Sox as well. Plus, Andrew Raycroft of Nesson standing by. We'll get to the Bruins with all your phone calls after trending here from Christian Art. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Discussing the Red Sox here for a chunk of time on WEEI, Jones. And Mego with Arcan taking you up until 6 on a Tuesday with your phone call, 617-779-7937. How hot is Alex Cora's seat, if at all? Uh, we're going to talk to Andrew Raycroft of Nesson. He joins us each and every Tuesday at 3.30. We'll talk to him a little over five minutes from now. And if you miss our interview with Andrew Raycroft or anyone else, you can go back and listen on the podcast anytime. Just subscribe to Jones and Mego with Arcan on the Odyssey app or wherever you find your podcasts. So I, I see a lot of this on the text line, 37937. Like, uh, it's old news. We got this the last time we talked about Drellick's book, too. It's old news. It's water under the bridge. Move on already. How come you guys are focused on this? Well, number one, it's just new 
details. It's not really new information. I would acknowledge that. But it is new detail, and it just goes to show and prove that Cora knew what he was doing and was bragging about it when it comes to the cheating scandal. Uh, Never mind, you know, some of the personal things with drinking on the flights and getting into it with uh, broadcasters and his manager and everything else, right? And so I just think it, it gives you new insight into how brazen it was and how unapologetic he was about it. But I understand that fans move on to a degree. I think you would at least need to acknowledge, again, it can't help him this year. I think that works against him this year. And if you want to talk about Alex Cora as a manager for a moment, I just think the last couple of years, and I know they went to an ALCS in the middle of it, but hear me out on this. I don't don't know that he's done a great job as a manager the last few years, right? So he wasn't around for the COVID year. That was Ron Renneke. We're not going to fault him for that. He wasn't great in 2019, by the way, either, following up on the World Series. They back into the playoffs on the last weekend of the year in 2021. They then do get hot, and Cora does have a very good postseason, and they go on a run. So I'll give Cora all that. The team wasn't good for most of that year. They barely made the playoffs. They belly ached for months after the trade deadline about not making moves, even though they went out and got Kyle Schwarber, which turned out to be a great move. Then last year, they did the same thing. They belly ached for like two months. and They had a point this year. <laughs> well, Come on, you got Eric Hosmer. All they did was get, get rid of belly aching. They just got rid of Christian Vasquez. It's like, I don't think they well, got... they didn't bring anybody in, I guess. Okay, the but they, they, they did bring somebody Tommy in. Tommy Pham is insulted by and, that. And they just... I, I thought at some point, like, I'll, I'll let you complain for... This is like Mac Jones. I'll let you complain for a week. I'll let you, like, be annoyed for, like, a week. When it turns into two or three weeks in a row with Mac Jones, or when it turns into a month straight, six weeks straight with the Red Sox, like, can you guys move past it? And I feel like it's two years in a row Cora has let that happen and fester and impact the team on the field. They barely survived it in 2021. It tore them apart last year. And I I wouldn't ignore that if I were ownership. I wouldn't ignore that if I were a Red Sox fan. Like, I, I'd want to see if Alex Cora can get these players to focus and buy in now that their leader, who was around for all that the last couple of years too, Xander Bogarts is gone. Like, can you get these guys to buy in? Can you get more out of the team, even though there's less talent this year? Even if they buy in, they're probably not going to be very good. You know what I mean? Say, like, they can buy in all they want. Well, like, this team's not that talented. Do we agree right. with that? Yes. I do. So I do. They're, def- I do. they're worse <laughs> they're, on paper than they were last year. They're definitely less talented. Can Cora get more out of them? Isn't that kind of the job? Isn't that kind of the idea with him? And I, I ultimately answer the same way you guys do. I'll gamble on talent every day of the week. They don't have it. I'm not going to gamble on them. But isn't that the idea with Cora? He's supposed to get more... He's a character guy. He's a character guy. The He's... players love him. And I think that's part of the reason why these new details, as I'll call them, the descriptions, the quotes that are in Drellick's book are so unflattering. Like Because so much of Cora's upside is his relationships with his players and how well-liked he is and everything. And even in the passages from the book that we've read on air, there are people saying, you know, he was great with the players in Houston, but there were all these other problems that were character issues. I think, though, you people can only hold so many um, negatives in their mind, aside from you, at one time. <laughs> yeah, I have lots and of And <laughs> so for most of the fans, they're looking at this going, well, it's a crappy roster, a crappy roster. They don't do anything at the trade deadline. They don't add this, you know, in the offseason. They don't do this. And this guy's injured and this guy's injured. So how, how can you point at Cora when, you know, he's seemingly saying the right stuff and he won a World Series and the players like him? 
So that's why you don't have the light shining on him here. No, and that that's fair. I just, if they're bad, I think his job's in jeopardy. I know Bloom's job is in jeopardy. I think his job is, and I definitely think it should but sh- be. You, okay, I was going to say, I you absolu- think it should be. I absolutely think it should because be, Because yes. I think the roster is set up to fail this year in their division. I mean, they just look like on paper they, you know, obviously we haven't seen them yet. On paper, they look like they're not built to compete with know, anyone like, in the division. But I so at, what are they doing? I look at the Rays what roster they, sometimes. They, I look at the Rays roster sometimes, and they're small market and have a bunch working against them. I look at their roster sometimes, and I go, eh. And Kevin Cash has them in the playoffs like every year. Like Kevin Cash gets a ton out of them just about every single year. They haven't won a World Series yet, but he's gotten them to a World Series. They're in the playoffs most years. Their roster is not overly impressive. They certainly don't spend as much as the Red Sox. So I don't really want to hear Cora's excuses there. If you're a good manager, get this team to the playoffs. And if you don't, your job should be in jeopardy. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's Kike. We haven't gotten to Kike's comments. Well, let's, let's, let's do it. Let's hear, let's hear from I Kike Hernandez. I think this is like pretty damning well, of the state of the clubhouse. Let's listen to this and ask who you think he's talking about. Here's Kike Hernandez yesterday. We came into last place and it felt like we got comfortable in being in that spot and I don't think this is an organization that should settle for last place. We are an organization that should be competing year in and year out and uh, we need to find a way to get back into that winning mentality. Who do we think he's talking about? Probably the majority of the clubhouse. Do you think it's Bogarts? Well, yeah, I don't think that reflects very well on Bogarts, and I wonder if it's a little bit of a shot. And I know he and uh, Cora are close, but I wonder if it's a little bit of a shot at the manager as well. Like, he's ultimately in charge of getting guys to believe and not being comfortable. And Cora was, we don't have the clip, but Cora was very sensitive. He's defensive. When he was asked about it, defensive is a good word. When he's like, well, I don't agree with that. Not that, you know, they shouldn't be comfortable. He's supposed to come out and say, yeah, we were comfortable losing last year. Well, but he knows it's a bad reflection on him if guys, quote unquote, got comfortable being in last place. Already, but it doesn't matter what he says at that point. Kike, who is his guy, like very close to Cora, has come out and said now at the very start of spring training, we were comfortable losing last year. Just a couple years removed from the World Series and a year removed from the ALCS. I don't know how you I don't know how you how you can come out and respond to that in any you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. just such a damning Way to paint the picture of last season. I find it interesting. You know, who's Kike Hernandez talking about? 617-779-7937. Is it Bogarts? Is it Cora? Is it somebody else? Uh, we can uh, we can get to that coming up. Uh, in the meantime, though, we're joined by Andrew Raycroft, who joins us on the Harbor One Hotline. He's brought to you by Shaw's and Star Market. Bringing people together around the joys of food by John Sewer and Drain Cleaning. The name to know when your drains don't flow and by Frank's Red Hot. Visit franksredhot.com for great hockey and football watching recipes. Let's... Frank it up. And uh, again, Andrew Raycroft is all our guests joining us here on the Harbor One Hotline. What's going on, Razor? Good afternoon, gang. Not much. Excited to uh, go watch a Bruins hockey game again. Actually, actually get some hockey back in our lives. That's true. So tonight is a, uh, a an excellent goaltending matchup. Jake Ottinger against what I assume is going to be Linus Allmark here tonight for the Bruins. ESPN, and I guess think uh, what you will of their hockey coverage, uh, came out with... Uh, well, a player survey and an executive survey, really a, a, a survey from around the league, canvassing different players and executives and coaches about the top goaltenders in the NHL. Linus Allmark comes in at number seven, trailing Vasilevsky, Shosturkin, Hellebuck, Sorokin, Ottinger, and UC Soros. And the quote in here uh, from an executive is, when you look at goalies, it's really tough 
because it's so year-to-year. Linus Allmark is on the list this year, but he struggled last year in the middle part of the season. He became better as the season went on. Allmark and Jeremy Swayman went to camp battling for the job, and Allmark won the job and has had a Vesna-winning season to date. But ultimately, it sounds like the league doesn't fully trust Linus Allmark. Should we trust him? We should trust him, but as we know in sports, it's all about what you do in playoffs. And and all of those other guys on the list have had somewhat of recent success in, in the playoffs. Shuster can get in the conference finals last season. Obviously, Vasilevsky's one and one and one. Um, there, there's no debating that. And Linus Allmark has had a great season, but I think when you talk to executives, when you're asking players, those kind of people respect consistency and they want to see it done over more than just even even if you want to include last season they want to see it done over a four five six year period and that's what most of those other seven have done uh looking at jake debrest coming back uh razor how critical is it for the bruins to get him back on the ice what have you seen them missing from him just in the past couple of games uh, you know, they, they went, they won 10 of 11 and they were fine for a while. Then they kind of hit the skids without him. Yes. And I think part of that is in coincides with Thomas Nosek coming out of the lineup. So you're missing two of your, your top forwards. And I know Nosek's on the fourth line, but he takes a lot of minutes on the PK as does Jake DeBrusque. So you get challenged with depth there. And then with the power plays 0 for 17 in their last 17, Jake DeBrusque has done an amazing job this year on retrievals. He's done a great job net front, but being quick, getting to the corners, getting to the rebounds, getting to missed passes or deflected passes. And, and he's doing the same on, with Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marsh on five on five. So their ability to stay in the zone a little bit more when Jake DeBrusque is on the ice, when they're able to have that second opportunity, the third opportunity, that, that's where you miss Jake DeBrusque at this point. And, and yes, they, they did an amazing job surviving without him for the 11 games, but it, it, it does catch up to you over time in the NHL, missing, missing Jake DeBrusque, one of your top-line wingers, but also a couple other guys throughout the lineup. Razor, uh, we heard yesterday, I think it was, that uh, Jacob Chikrin's not going to play until he gets traded out there. First of all, what do you think of players doing that? And second of all, uh, how in on him should the Bruins be? Uh, the, the kid in Columbus as well has started that tonight. I just read a report. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. So I, I kind of laughed at it. I kind of chuckled and, and thought, man, it's not a bad bad deal. Um, you're going to get traded. You're, you're, you're not going to play on a bad team anymore. You're going to get traded to a decent team, and you get to have the month of February off. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 you know, sign me up. Uh, so I I get it, I suppose. I, I, I'm also – I don't think a team that's in a – let's say a wild card or trying to get into the playoffs would necessarily want a guy who hasn't played for a month. It's one thing if it was a Bruin, you know, team that's automatically in that gets them, but uh, say you're trying to take a run at him and you're in ninth place and, and he hasn't played in a month. Interesting. Um, Chikrin for the Bruins. It's a luxury piece. And, and I suppose we could say that about any of the players the Bruins get at this point because of the first half. I I'm just, a little, I think he's a great player. I think he's a great young player. He's got term, which is amazing. And if you think about having McAvoy, Lindholm, and himself as the top three guys for the next couple of years, my concern is... Best in the league, negative. right? Those three, wouldn't they be the best in the NHL, that three? 
Yeah, no, yeah. I, I don't know what would match it. Certainly, uh, it would be it would be right up there. Um, so, so those are all the positives. There's lots of positives. The negatives are he's played in Arizona his whole career. He's never played an important game in, in a big stage, and and we know that changes. And then what is he for the Bruins? What's his role for the Bruins? He's not going to play power play. He's only playing 30, 35 seconds a night penalty kill for the Arizona Coyotes. So where is he going to fit here? Can he shut down a New York Rangers power play in the conference finals as a PK shutdown guy? So, those, you know, those things weigh on how his role would be with the Bruins. But so, so that's why I say a luxury piece. If you want to just have as many as you can, great. But how he fits in, I'm not sure. Talking to Andrew Raycroft, former Bruins goaltender. You can check him out on Nesson. Uh, maybe you partially answered this earlier, Razor. You, you said the, the power play has really struggled over its last 17. Bruins have dropped four out of five. It spans the all-star break, so there's a, a big gap in there. But do you see a commonality in why the Bruins have struggled over that stretch? And I'll, I'll just propose my own. It, it seems like they've, they've stepped up in competition. Tampa, Florida, Carolina, they did beat Toronto. And then Washington, like that, that seems to be a commonality to me. Is there anything that jumps out to you over this stretch? Yeah, that, that is the commonality. Certainly, they, they, they didn't have any easy ones. I think there's been, Montgomery's mentioned it now for two or three days in that the competition is stepping up their heat. Their Washington Capitals are fighting for a wild card spot. You saw more of a desperate team from them. Uh, and, you know, again, we gave them a bit of a pass. The Carolina game, that's a tough they, they blew the Florida game in the last second. So you can back into all these, but yeah, they're playing tougher teams. They're playing more desperate teams because teams are all getting desperate at this time of year. The Floridas of the world, the Washingtons of the world, and, and they have to turn the heat up. And I think this is a good time to do that for this group. Um, but there's no question that you can, hindsight can tell us maybe in the last six or seven games, they haven't had the same, the same vigor as the team against them. Razor, what do you think of this sibling road trip that the Bruins are doing uh, in Dallas and Nashville? And do you have siblings? If so, how would you choose which one to bring? <laughs> well, well, fortunately, I only have one younger sister, so that's an easy one. Okay, she would would be on you trip, bring her so. around your NHL teammates when you're still in the <laughs> NHL? Well, yeah, now I'm 40, so yeah, no problem at all. But no, um, yes, I would, but she would definitely be uh, coming in early with me at the same time. There would be no, uh, there would not, I, I wouldn't be going home early with, with everyone else around. Uh, that's certainly no the case. shenanigans. I'm a little protective of that. No shenanigans at all. That's right. Um, but she grew up in Canada, so she knows the hockey knucklehead. So she knows how to deal with those guys. Yeah, she can spot one. She can spot one a mile away. <laughs> oh, she goes, yeah, not. She knows, the meat. She knows that meat, hockey meathead from, <laughs> from 100 million miles away. Uh, I, I, listen, I love this. The, the reason the sibling one's awesome. And, and you go, you know, you, you've, these guys have done the mother trip, the father trip, you know, and, and it literally is the best road trip of the year as an NHL hockey player to have your parents or who, you know, any loved one on the road and to be able to show them what you do and, and how cool it is to be on the charter planes and be around the guys in the hotel. It, it, it really brings the best energy of the season to these groups. Um, and and the, the thing with the siblings is a lot of times there were – traveling around the country they were flying or they were driving sitting in cars sitting in rinks watching their brother play hockey weekend after weekend all winter long so it's really good to uh, recognize them and as we've all gotten older and I say 
we as as hockey players or pro athletes, I think we we recognize how much siblings gave up as well for us to play hockey. So I know the guys really appreciate these trips, and the sibling one's really cool for that reason. Yeah, I was going to ask, was it intentional that they chose someplace like Nashville where you can, like, actually go out and do something rather than some of the other NHL cities? Edmonton. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) absolutely. That is probably the first thing everyone looks at is where can we fit in a cool trip for the family members and not be Pittsburgh. Yeah, there, there you go. Okay, th- th- thank you. That's that. So that's a bad one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Pittsburgh's a little sneaky, but at the end of the day, it's Pittsburgh and Buffalo. Yeah, I, that, so I, yeah. So if they right, you're not going to drag your sibling along and be like, "Hey, we're going to." You're here for the Sabers game. No one's going to feel too good about that. That's not a good way to pay it forward. That's true. Uh, all right. Well, Razor, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, Andrew Raycroft of Nesson, former Bruins goaltender, joins us each and every Tuesday at three thirty. So mark that one down, and we'll talk to you next week. Awesome, guys. Thanks. Appreciate it. All right. Andrew Raycroft, as all our guests, joins us on the Harbor One Hotline. Uh, It's interesting. It's interesting that growing up in Canada, you can spot the hockey meathead a a, a million miles away. Uh, And I like that that's his answer. He's like, yeah, I don't need to to look out for her too much. Like, when I look out for her, sure, but I don't need to look out for her too much. She knows all these meatheads. She can spot one. She's experienced. Yeah, she knows. Well, hopefully not too much, but, but but she knows what's going on. You can spot them around here, too. You know the hockey hardo. You can you can tell. That's yeah. Like I bet you that guy got kicked out of Avon Old Farms this <laughs> freshman year. <laughs> oh, that is true. I, I, can, I uh, get the sense. You know. <laughs> I can uh, I can't see that. That's fair. Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. We can add your Bruins thoughts to our Red Sox discussion. We also have our three burning questions. Our triple play next. It's gonna be a triple play. It's time for the triple play. Yes, triple play. The top three burning questions of the day. And there's three. With Jones and Mego. Triples is best. Triples is best. Triples is best, isn't it? It's time for the triple play here as it's quarter of four. And uh, we got three questions. It's over under Tuesday. And we'll begin with the Celtics, who are playing the Milwaukee Bucks tonight. Pretty important game, I think we all agree. Celtics, Bob, Bucks are the hottest team in the league. They've yeah. won 10 in a row. They're killing it. And uh, the Celtics are really banged up. So the over-under is the number of Celtics starters. And when I say starters, I mean Smart, Brown, Tatum, Horford, Williams, who are going to be playing tonight. And when I wrote this, it wasn't quite so definitive. Mm-mm. So we all know now that Smart, Brown, and Tatum are out. So the over-under is one and a half. It Basically, the question is, do you think Horford and Williams will both play tonight? Yeah, I'll take the under. I don't see any point really in playing any of them at this point in time, right? Well, I play any, yeah. Like if you're if you're punting on the game, which just sucks. It's just so annoying. The Bucks have won ten in a row. What are the Celtics up in the East right now? A game or a game and a half? It's like the game kind of matters. They're up a game and a half on Milwaukee, who's won ten in a row. Celtics have won four in a row. Somehow without Marcus Smart. They've won four in a row. And it's like you could have this awesome game and give everybody a rest tomorrow. Against the Detroit Pistons? Is that who they're playing tomorrow? Or can you're going yes. to the game tomorrow? Yes. Rest them against the Pistons. Play them against the Bucks. Why are they doing it this way? It's just so annoying. But now that Tatum's out, and we already knew Brown was out, and Smart can't get his ass back on the court, just sit all the starters and just play all backups. That might as well be what they do tonight. So I'll take the under. I'm definitely taking the under, especially because if it was between, like if we were just saying, hey, are you betting that Rob Williams and Al Horford are both going to be available on any given night in the regular season? You should take the under That's on that point. because both of them are in limited minutes, limited time. I mean, you're probably not going to play Al Horford tonight because he doesn't play back-to-backs at right. this point in his career anyway. So 100% the under. All right, let's go to number two. Number two. 
This is minutes of the Beanpot final that was watched by Jones, Mego, me, and Ryan combined. The over-under is five and a half minutes. Megan? I'm taking the over because I watched two periods of it. Wow! The last two periods, including, and then the overtime, and then the shootout. I'm going to be honest. The reason I watched it. Why? It's the most hockey she's ever watched in her life. Why? Because I love the sideline reporter, Meredith Gorman. Is that really why you watched? We used to work at the Herald together. Yeah, shout out Meredith. I was very proud of her. She was doing uh, sideline reporting. That's why you watched She played? I wanted to support my girl. No, but I understand. She was on like every four minutes. It's like what my friends do. I'm like, oh, did you hear the show? They're like, yeah, yeah, I heard the show. It's like, no, you didn't. You a-hole. I know you didn't hear the show. It's like watching the Super Bowl for Rihanna. Tell her the same thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, great. No, I actually watched it. I was like, oh, oh, Mare's on again. All right. Well, I'm not going to change it. There's Mare. You look great, Mare. She's I mean, sounding great. Was very proud of her. I mean, I'm sure she did a great job. I just, I'm, I'm amazed that you actually watched two periods of the Bean Pot just to, just to support your friend. That's, yeah. that's good. That's good support. I didn't even text her that I did it. I, I should probably text her now. She's probably gonna be weird. Just saying, I'm a big radio. No, yeah, this is like, it's like the ultimate, <laughs> the ultimate humble brag. Right news now. travels fast. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's this. This is the way to Somebody let her know. Somebody tell her, Mayor Gorman, he did a great job. Well, well I got to tell you, I watched about five minutes of it, so I thought no one else watched any, and that it was gonna be well, who who watched one I, second? I didn't watch. I went to Northeastern. And I didn't watch any. Uh, Northeastern. Listen, winning. I Look. think we all know who the hockey expert on the oh, show is. There's at no this doubt. Point. There's no doubt. No Northeastern. <laughs> Northeastern ruined the bean pot by winning it. Why did North, oh, come Northeastern on. ruined the bean pot years ago? However many years ago they won their first since the eighties? Because you know when I went to school there, it was they won their in four. The 80s. They won their four or five in the eighties. No, when I was in school in the early two thousands, they had won their four or five in the eighties, and it was like, will they ever win one? Will we ever see it? It was exciting to go watch because you're like Northeastern stinks, and maybe, maybe, even though they're ten and twenty, maybe they'll win the bean pot because there's nothing else to play for. But, but, now they've won, and now it's not fun anymore, because it's like, what do I care? I've seen them win it before. Why am I even watching? The so, bond was rocking at Matthews Arena. No, the North year East, was 2005. Northeastern winning <laughs> ruined the bean pot. They were, they were like the one team that hadn't won that made it interesting. Now it's like, what do I care if BU wins another one or BC wins one or North? Why, why do I care? I don't, I don't care. Well, because last night it was I did not watch a second. Harvard. So what? It's a they, weird matchup. They play every three years. Aren't they you play like the first angry, game at, angry at the rich kids? The rich no, smart kids? No, I, damn get cake out of here. I'm telling you, Northeastern winning it ruined it for me. I don't I don't care anymore. Not that I ever really cared all that much. Because honestly, it's hard to care about college hockey. I love college hockey. I don't hockey. care who the sideline reporter is. It's hard to watch never, that and care. I never claimed to care about the bean pot. I, I was just like, oh look, there's Mayor. Well, you She's watch you watch job. more than the rest of us combined. You know what I care about? What? Friendship. <laughs> Supporting the I, people in my community. I don't care about any of that. Uh, yeah. Excuse me. I went to the Beanpot final. Wow! In you 2014. Were, oh, I was going to say, oh. you were there last night? <laughs> no, God, I was no. like, Ryan doesn't go for the last time he left the house. Anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> he hasn't left yeah. the house. That's the last time I left the house. No, yeah, I had to see BC. Arkan, our, uh, our old friend Howard Sylvester uh, texted me last night. He said, hey, all you guys do is win Beanpots. I go, we did? I, did, I did, didn't watch any of it. Word? I had, I had no idea, but great. I mean, go Huskies, I guess. All right, let's get to over under number three. Three. All right, Fangraphs, you probably saw this. Fangraphs, a.k.a. Zips, has the Red Sox winning 79 games this year, last place in the AL East. I feel like we've done this one before, but what the hell? Over, under, 79 wins for the Red Sox this year. Jones? I'm taking the under. Mega, I'll start, yeah, I'll start right. with it. I mean, for the, uh, the reasons that we just outlined lately in the last segment before we talked to uh, Razor, that the roster looks worse this year on paper than it was last year. And they were bad last year, and the rest of the division is getting better. 
So I don't know how you look at it and you think that they're going to outperform last year. They sent their offensive talent out the door with J.D. and Xander. They got guys playing out of position. We haven't even addressed the pitching situation yet. So Chris Sale's going to come back, and all of a sudden oh. we're going to be like, whoa, he's okay, our, Chris Sale. He's already go. throwing bullpens. Keep him away from, keep him away no. from the bicycles. Under. But, but, but uh, yeah, I, no, I'm under as well. And ultimately, again, I, I'm a big believer in talent. If you wanted to talk up the Red Sox, Alex Cora should be able to do it. He's a good manager, right? So he should be able to get more out of this group, especially if it's a better group, especially if you extracted guys who are comfortable with losing and comfortable in coming in last place and belly aching about the trade deadline last year. Extracting that, Alex Cora should be able to get through to them more and pull them together and get into the postseason, right? I mean, that would be the logic. He's going to rally them like nobody believes in well, us, kind of like a that's, Travis that's, Kelsey. That's the defense of him as a manager, isn't it? <laughs> Except like, he's right. He's supposed to get more out of less. That's the whole idea with Alex Cora. That's what makes him a great manager. I don't know. All he did was win with a ridiculously talented team in 2018 that most people probably could have won with because it was more about the absence of John Farrell than anything Alex Cora did, minus the cheating. And so I just, I don't know. I don't know why I have to look at it and say he deserves to keep his job beyond this year. I don't think he's going to get more out of the group because I don't think the group's very talented. Under. Not a single one. Feel that. I'm <laughs> beginning to see how your brain works. Yeah. I think we should start a segment or a bit, yep. however you want to call it, sure. where we look at a really talented roster in mm-hmm. any sport yep. and we ask, could Matt Patricia coach this team? Oh, I like it. I already said, I think, I think Patricia... I think Patricia could win a Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes. You said I'm talking that. about going outside of sport. No, this outside is, of football. I think you're onto something because in his first week with us, Adam did say that he believed that Matt Patricia you you wanted Matt Patricia and DeAndre Hopkins over Bill O'Brien. Yes. Those are words you said. Yep. You're insane for saying I that. I still believe that. That's a crazy, crazy I don't, thought. Honestly, I don't even remember saying it, but I still agree with it. I don't I don't even remember saying it. Let's the ship take, uh, Jones to the funny farm. That's the, what we're calling the segment. The take left my mouth, and I completely forgot about it, but I stand I by, did. I think the bit is. No, I'm saying I stand by it. I, I don't even argue. Good take by me. I don't remember saying it, but good take. Good take. I like it. I'd rather have DeAndre Hopkins than an offensive coordinator. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The talent on the field matters more than the guy calling the plays. Yes. All right. Yes, 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 yes. Next time that this uh, this... Shows itself. I'm going to just wedge this segment in. Okay. Hot, it's going to be hot, hot enough for Matty P. <laughs> okay. I like it. Uh, 617-779-7937. I like it. Patricia, Earl Brian. <laughs> that is our, uh, our triple play. Oh, that was me. That is our uh, triple play that we do each and every day at this time. We'll get back to the Patriots. Derek Carr has been officially released. As we told you, that was going to happen earlier Whee! today. Let me ask you again, and we'll uh, we'll update our we poll We celebrated numbers. Truck Day. Now let's celebrate Car Day. <laughs> Should the Patriots be in on Derek Carr? Yes or no? Let's get to that next. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.